everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. Quick reminder, the reminder we always give, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. There may be things we say today that are things that happen in future episodes of the show, especially, you know, we're in a batch of episodes right now where there could be a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't seen Felicity all the way through, you don't want to be spoiled. Just think about that before you take action, before you move forward. I am Melissa, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? I am doing so great. It's a good day. Got my caffeine. Got my my little dog sitting here with me. Can't be any better. Oh, fantastic. Well, I... You know, I just want to explain myself and apologize to the listeners for last episode. Um, I I also would like to make a public uh, display of gratitude to Fish because, okay, so here's what was happening last week when you got the longest podcast we've ever done. Uh, (laughs) Back in the day, we said, hey, how long do you think this podcast is going to be? We were like, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, that didn't happen last week or any week, really. So last week, I, as some of you know, from listening to the spooked episode, I have a phobia. I have a phobia of vomit. And my weekend last weekend uh, involved a trip that involved me coming into close proximity with four different people who were either very nauseous, said they were nauseous, or, uh, or actually got sick in front of me. And so I was, I came into last week feeling pretty rattled and I want to thank fish. Not only did fish talk me down for a whole hour before we even started, then we watched the episode. Then we had the longest podcast we've ever done. And at the end of that, I was finally normalized. So I'd like to thank you fish, uh, for helping me through some amount of trauma to get to a Felicity podcast. Well, I know that was a rough weekend for you. So you are very welcome and any time. And I still think that it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, so for those of you who might've thought to yourself, you have some nerve you too. Shame on you for giving us a runtime like this. Well, that's where it came from. And I'm not gonna promise we won't go that long again in the future for no reason. (laughs) <laughs> we've broken the seal <laughs> here we go that's that's the life that happens behind the scenes you know if you, if you ever were curious what's been going on that's it well today we're going to take on a new one we're going to talk about season one episode 17 this one was called assassins and it originally aired april 20th 1999 this one was directed by Michael Schultz. I don't feel like we've seen his name come up before, so this might be a new one for us. Uh, Written by a team again, Andrea Newman and Jennifer Levin. It seems like they've been doing this a bunch in the back half of the season, getting more writing teams together to take the writing claim. Um, And this, okay, this one, the episode is described as this. The morning after the fight, Noel confesses he made a huge mistake in going off with his ex-girlfriend and begs Felicity for another try at their relationship. Felicity struggles to tell Noel about her own indiscretion. Okay. 
well, this certainly sums up the episode, but it feels like it leaves a lot of things out. That's for sure. So where do you want to start with this one, Fish? Yeah, I mean, that that sort of talks about the episode. Right. It feels like sometimes they give descriptions that really cover a lot of ground. This one doesn't. But okay. hard because there's... I, I think there's a lot of nuance in this episode. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like it would be hard to explain all that in a, in a short little blurb. Mm. Um, and I think that is um, shown kind of, so, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you remember, but I have a feeling that I know exactly how I reacted to this when we watched it together in, you know, my early 20s, hmm. right? Which is, Noel can just fuck all the way off. <laughs> I mean, that is my guess. I don't remember how you reacted. To it. I have very few memories of specific things that we reacted to. Most of what I remember is you not happy about Ben's swimming technique. Um, which we covered, we covered that previously. I don't remember how you reacted or how I reacted to this one. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that that, that is how I reacted. Um, (laughs) and you know, coming back to it in in my late thirties, I had a very different reaction. Really? Um, I know, right? Like you would think that that would still be my reaction, mm-hmm. but it's not. Um, I mean, the whole, everything that just went on with Noel and Felicity just kind of makes my heart hurt. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not in it. And yes, they're both assigning blame and they feel hurt. And it's a bad situation, um, but they're just, they're both going through a lot and it's, it's just painful for them and it's painful for us to, to watch it and to feel it. And I think they did a really good job here mm-hmm. of making, making what happened you know, not really attributable to either of them. Mm -hmm. You know, life happened and they got hurt. And I mean, I think it it would be easy to just blame one or the other, but I don't think that's really fair. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know what I would have thought about this way back when, I'm a little bit more in the camp of Nope does cross some lines in this episode. And he's, I, I think what I see as a difference between the two of them in this episode is that Noel is more interested to focus on Felicity's indiscretion, as it's called in the summary. Felicity is more interested in blaming herself and 
ruining the day and, you know, thinking about the fact that she just lost her virginity to somebody that she doesn't really know. And so she, I believe, is also in a blaming herself space. So when I look at this episode, I think a lot of people are coming down really hard on Felicity here. And I, I appreciate the moments where it's like, hey, but Noel, remember the part you did here? And also, it's not really said here, but they were broken up. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you're Noel in this situation, you might have thought there's a 99.9% chance that Felicity would not do something like this the night that you're broken up. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it happened, right? Like this was not a situation that was within the sphere of the things Felicity would have done before. So, this, you know, he probably never even imagined that one night later, all of this could have happened for her. And yeah, he did wait for her for a long time. And so for him, I can appreciate that he feels upset that she didn't wait for him. Uh, It's just so imbalanced here to me, how much we're thinking about how Felicity's done something blameworthy. And I am grateful for the moments in this episode when we take a look at Noel and say, okay, hold on a minute. You went off with Hannah. And I, I, for him, he keeps being like, nothing really happened. We didn't sleep together. Okay. All right. You didn't, but boy, did you get far and boy was the intention there. And if that's your only metric that, that doesn't seem appropriate to me either. So yeah, I get that you are feeling sad for both of them. I feel that way too. Things are, they're in a horrible place. They feel terrible about themselves as people and their situation. And I don't think that Felicity deserves the lion's share of blame, but it feels like she was getting it here. Yeah. I mean, she definitely was getting it from, from Noel and herself after she talks about sleeping with Eli. But I think as a, as an outside observer, what I could see was that I didn't put the blame on her mm-hmm. as the viewer. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, you know, I can see how she is reacting by blaming herself. Mm-hmm. She's crying. She's apologizing. She's, you know, I mean, Noel is saying it's his fault too. And, you know, he should be able to forgive her, but he can't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she comes back and says, well, you know, I can't forgive you either. So I think that that was a very nice change in perspective. Yeah. to say, you know, what you did was not all right either. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to hear that in this episode. Yeah. But I think because I don't come down blaming her instead, what I see it as is this is the reaction she's having. And then I can ask myself, so why is she having that? Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with women and shame and sex and you know just 
the the social mores of the time um and it's probably true today as well and you know they were broken up and noel had specifically said in the last episode i can't ask you to wait around and then he turns around and says i waited for you to get over ben and then but it's not the same thing they weren't dating they were not dating when she had feelings for Ben. Mm-hmm. They were dating and he broke up with her and went off with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, it, and again, it's, I, I don't feel like anyone did anything wrong except for uh, when Noel got drunk and way too aggressive. That really changes my perspective, that scene significantly yeah. in this episode. Yeah, because you see it on Felicity's face. She looks just like Julie did, mm-hmm. where she's shocked and, you know, she kicks him uh, off the bed and and his reaction is to stand up and say, God, what am I doing here? I mean, he goes so you know, hot and cold and left and right and up and down. And I mean, he is everywhere in that scene and he is a mess. And he's saying all of these kind of, you know, the things that she wants to hear, you know, we're fine. We can get back together. We can get over this. And at least for me, I was like, Ooh, cause he like starts kissing her neck. And I'm like, the only thing that's going to make him feel better is to have sex with her and in his words erase what happened yeah and that wasn't going to lead anywhere good because she's shaken from her first time already mm-hmm. she kicks him off the bed we've been dating and you're going to kick me out of bed when you just slept with this stranger but you know what y- you know they're, they're both so I think hurt that they can't see things from each other's perspective. And I, I get that and it's creating more hurt. But for me, the, the real kind of stake in the sand is he got way too aggressive in that moment. Yeah. That I can put my finger on. Yeah. I, this is the story they told us and I kind of wish we didn't get that scene or that they didn't go as far with it as they did in that scene, because it's completely changed my perspective on how Noel's handling this. And it may not be fair, right? If you remove that scene or if you remove how far he goes in that scene, then I feel more compassion for him because I understand that I think that Felicity's virginity was very important to him. I think he's, I think it was part of how he saw her. I think that he, there are things about her character that her having had this one night stand ish. I mean, I know she has met Eli before, um, but her having this moment, this experience does seem to contradict some of the things that Noel may know about her as a partner in a relationship. And it surprises her too, right? She didn't think she would be the kind of person she says who would do a thing like this, who would take comfort in another man in a a moment of tension in a relationship. She didn't know this about herself. 
And he didn't know this about her either. And there was something about her, I think, that he thought was more innocent than this, that was more pure than this, that was more reliable, maybe loyal to him than this. And he was not expecting it to go down this way. And I can appreciate that even though they were on a break, that he has these feelings about her that were reinforced by him calling it off with Hannah. And it hurts him at that level. And I can understand all that. So whether or not he's saying things that are entirely fair, I can put myself in his shoes and think this is why he's saying them. And then they give you the scene where he becomes aggressive with her sexually to the point where she has to push him off the bed. And it can't help but remind me of Julie, like you just said. And that's a place that they've set up in our minds in this show with another couple. So my, my thoughts go there and it makes it very difficult for me to be okay with how Noel's handling it. And so I don't know if I should be okay with that scene being in there and just accept it as part of the story or if it's supposed to be coloring how I look at how he's handling this. Yeah. I mean, I think throughout the show so far, I, I have felt say more keenly some of his offhand comments um, than you have Mm -hmm. and, and feeling that, you know, I think you said that he's saying, them in levity and try and make the situation less awkward but i kept feeling that there was kind of a grain of truth and that's really how he was feeling um and again i think it's part of the culture of the time but you know the fact that her virginity is important to him i mean i guess that kind of bugs me because that was something you know when we were going through college, uh, there was a guy in my dorm who I, I stayed friends with all through college. And, you know, he would sleep around with anyone. Um, and, but then he, he said that he would only marry a virgin. Ooh. Right. And so, you know, and I felt, you know, I, Yes, I had a problem with the scene that, um, you know, that when Noel becomes too aggressive, we do hear Felicity say, wait, Noel, and have to push him back. You know, I I obviously think there's a huge difference between that and what's acted. You know, he he does stop and kind of leave. Uh, and he does, you know, apologize later and he blames it on being drunk, but, you know, still. Um, but I guess it's it's all kind of part of who Noel is to me because he, he comes to this episode in, in kind of a, a desperate space, I guess saying that this is the worst thing he's ever done. It's a mistake. I was thinking of you the whole time, which let's admit we saw those scenes. He was not thinking of Felicity all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he, you know, he puts this, can I just say terrible music uh, together on a Mm mixtape and he talks about it as a bribe to like give to her, which again, didn't love that. Mm -hmm. 
and then he uh, he walks in her room or no she walks in his room after she's gotten the flowers and the whole time I'm just going no no because I just I know they're from Eli um, (laughs) because she doesn't look at the card and he says you know I'm open to all punishment I just want to work it out like everything will be fine there's nothing you know that's and he's he's so open when he thinks he's at fault Mm-hmm. and asking for her forgiveness and then he takes the note from her mm-hmm. before she's even had a chance to read it yeah which I was like whoa okay um and then demands to know who Eli is and what I saw in his face and tell me if you saw something different when she tells him what I see like the first thing I saw was like a little bit of disgust Mm -hmm. and then the hurt and then he leaves yeah I would agree with that he yeah it's certainly not what she what he thought she was gonna say in that situation and I also want to say and I don't know if this is at all left to doubt but what my interpretation is that she was always going to tell him about this when she walked into the room so even if that card hadn't been from Eli. I think she was about to tell him what happened no matter what. So I don't think that she got forced into saying what happened. I think this was the plan and it's just how it got revealed. This just happens to be it. Um, you know, here's the card. It says Eli on it and he wants to know who that is, but she had already resolved herself to having this conversation. I appreciated that after he has that moment of disgust and, uh, you know, then becomes upset and angry about it. I liked the move of the reverse door slam, the aggressive door open, (laughs) you know, because she's in his room right now and he decides I'm going to leave this room and leave her standing in my room. And he, the door had been shut and he just opens it fast (laughs) and doesn't slam against anything. It just opens really sharply. And then he leaves the room and he leaves it with the door open I kind of liked that. It was sort of uh, subverting the normal door slam. And then we immediately cut to him in a class that day, maybe, or the next day. I don't know. And he is so distracted and the teacher calls on him and she's like, are you even here with us? He's like, I just, I have to leave. I'm going, I'm experiencing emotional turmoil. He (laughs) is just muttering to himself all the way out of the room. And it just shows you where he's at. He's at sea right now because of all the things that have happened with Felicity. Yeah, I there was a moment in that uh, that I really appreciated because so true to everything that happens when you're crammed into a class, he's, uh, he's kind of walking over people and he's putting his bag on, he's having complete emotional turmoil and he hits this girl on the head with his bag and she's she like looks up at him like, what? what are you doing? He doesn't even recognize that he did it and just walks out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yep, that happens so many times. (laughs) Yeah. This is how it works. You're in close quarters. Yeah. I I (sighs) enjoyed that. Um, One thing I do like though, as much as I've said, I, I don't like the scene where he gets aggressive with her. One thing that I like about it is that it's the first time 
when she gets out that, you know, the whole beginning of the episode, she's wallowing in how guilty she feels. And it's almost as if she feels like she deserves what's coming to her. And then he does this. She physically pushes him off of her and off of the bed. And it's the, she starts to, I don't want to say fight back, but that's, it's after that, that we get her saying things like, well, I don't know if I can forgive you either. You know, it's, it's not just on her. What makes me sad for her in this episode is not what her actions have done with the relationship with Noel. It's how she feels about herself because of how, because of the fact that she just did this with Eli. I feel like that's a bigger deal to me in this episode than the status of her relationship with Noel. And yeah, it's sad. I mean, we've been investing ourselves as an audience in the relationship between Felicity and Noel for pretty much the whole you know, beginning of the season. But it does not feel like, a, you know, she's she's thinking about the fact that she had sex for the first time with a guy that she barely knows. And she's calling it a permanent choice. This is something that she feels like is on her forever. The, the relationship with Noel, that can evolve in some way. But this is now a part of her history that she feels is unchangeable. And... She's trying to come to grips with that. And for me, that's my bigger heartbreak for her in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, it is unchangeable, right? But Mm -hmm. every decision we make that has been in the past, you know, is unchangeable. Mm -hmm. So what I thought, I guess the part that I find really heartbreaking about that is we open up on her and it's light and this, you know, the sun is shining down on her and she has this expression on her face where it's like, she doesn't really know how she feels. And she's saying that it seemed like a dream and she's talking to Sally. And we do notice that, or at least I notice that she doesn't smile, Mm -hmm. but she also doesn't seem upset at all. It's kind of like, it's still this dream status. Yeah. And this whole episode is just filled with the color purple. I mean, I saw it everywhere. Um, So when she wakes up, uh, you know, she's she's got like this black tank top on. When she hears Noel, you know, knocking at the door, she's got a hair down. um, And she changes into this, I guess, purple, really nice colored purple sweater and puts her hair up and and then lets Noel in. And as she's kind of running to get out of this room, she grabs this big bulky brown coat, puts it on, puts a bag on. We basically see her transform from this like really gorgeous, you know, morning view, beautiful woman to you know, what we have traditionally seen her as like hair up, bulky brown clothes, not looking so great. Um, as she's just trying to like get away from Noel. And I noticed this kind of running throughout the episode. Um, and it's not just with her. I mean, there, are, I don't know what's up with the color purple because it is. Just you saw it a lot a, in the last episode too. I saw it a couple times in the last episode. This, it was like on most characters, mm-hmm. not Noel, but I mean, Elena was wearing the purple. Uh, Eli was wearing purple. 
um, like everyone in that standoff in the hallway was wearing purple except for Elena. I mean, it was just purple everywhere. Um, Megan had borrowed Julie's purple tights. Um, oh my I mean, goodness. Yeah, it was just like a giant purple episode to me. Do you know how much of this I noticed? Zero. Yeah, that's yeah. how much of it I noticed. <laughs> this is a perfect example of how differently we look at the show, like the, the different things we see when we look at the same show, because in the opening scene, you, everything you noticed was tied into her the expression on her face and the the what she was wearing and how she transformed. First of all, I will say that I think she looks beautiful with her hair up, um, but that might just be me. So okay, but so those are things that you picked up on. I was looking at the atmosphere and the words, and I thought the very beginning of this episode was beautiful because we've been saying the studio is a hazy dreamlike world for her. And I remember the first time I saw this, I wasn't sure if she was still in the studio. I wasn't sure if we were seeing her wake up and they were going to pan over and that was going to be Eli's next to her um, somehow. Uh but she's on a bed. She had been on a couch. Like, yeah, but there was a moment where I was like, Is, are we seeing her wake up in the studio? And it wasn't that, but there was a, still a hazy quality to it. And she still seemed a little disjointed. And I felt like that could have been right. And she's saying things about the night before in such a poetic way. She's saying, she, she's describing the situation and she's saying there were abstract drawings, pastel paintings, the smell of turpentine. She's having a real sense memory for the experience that she just had. It was just a beautiful piece of prose in the writing. And it, it put me there. It made me feel that experience. And it's, it, it felt very sensory and, and it felt like I was in her dream with her. So I loved the way they opened that. And then they smashed me back to the real world. It's like, Oh, she's in her, she's, there's a knock on the door. She's in her bed. Noel's at the door. She has to come to grips with whatever's about to happen now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt the hazy dreamlike quality was continuing at the start. And it's so different when we see her walk into the studio this time, yeah. the yeah. lighting is completely different. It's not misty. You know, it's kind of day after. It's still really nice. The colors are all nice. Um, you know, and it, it's just, it's not the same, right? It's not that romantic night that she had before. It's the day after. Yeah. And she comes, you know, to Eli and, and says this shouldn't have happened. Um, and he is super understanding. I mean, he's 300,000 bonus points for everything about Eli. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give an award. I don't even know what the award is. I'm just giving an award to Eli. That's it. The great guy award. You guys can at me if you want. It's <laughs> fine. I mean, think about this man. Uh -huh. He's been gentle all the way through when she's describing when she's describing her night with Eli to Julie later. She's like, actually, he was really sweet and he was kind and it tracks uh -huh. with every single thing we've seen about him so far. He's been drawing pictures of her. He sends her flowers. 
I mean, they are hideous flowers. Okay, but, but like, they does are that flowers. happen a lot in college? <laughs> does that happen a lot with one night stands? Like, I don't uh, know that he saw her as that. I, I think maybe he thought something was starting here. But anyway, yeah, guy has a sense of decorum. Yeah, I absolutely think something was that he thought something was starting because he did have that that sort of hurt look on his face. And I just wrote down like such a great guy. Ah. Um, and he has this hurt look when she's kind of walking away and then he's, he's going back, but you know, he does kind of say, look, you know, I get it. You wanted to feel better. People do it all the time. And, and he is pointing out exactly what she did. Mm-hmm but he's not doing it in a blaming manner like nola has yeah. i i don't get the sense he may have gotten his hopes up about felicity and this is not really how he wanted her to approach him the next day in a conversation after receiving the flowers that you know he made yeah. it might have hoped this was going to be a little something more than it's turning out to be and he's smitten with her and he had a good night with her and he, I think, wants it to continue. And he is seeing that she feels really differently about the situation. She's feeling bad about herself. And he could have in this moment been trying to hurt her with his words. And he doesn't. He's holding her space for her. You know, he's um, he's 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 saying this happens. You're going through a rough patch with the guy in your life. I was like a break for you. And he's just coming to, you know, let's hear it for characters who (laughs) know how to exit themselves, I guess, because he's accurately assessing what the situation really is. He's repeating it back to her without emotion. Maybe he'll, maybe he has some that he's not sharing with her, but he's not putting that on her. And then he says, if it doesn't work out with that other guy, you know who to call. Yeah. I mean, when she comes up, to him the look on his face of just like that smile and excitement Mm -hmm. like you can tell he's happy to see her right and and it's so sad because all she says is it was so relieved to get out Mm -hmm. Uh, and And that's all how she is feeling right it has nothing to do with what he's been presenting to her so this could have been such a beautiful like first time yeah i mean take noel out of the equation and she has done very well for herself i completely agree this is what i would hope for pretty much everybody this is like uh, man it's why you don't get a lot of people who are saying ah we don't need any more of eli like people it's (laughs) like well we kind of liked eli to be honest it it seems to be of on these Felicity streets, as I do some digging, people seem to kind of like what they're seeing from Eli. And you can you can tell the difference, right? When Felicity has her conversation with Julie, because Julie says, you know, I feel you, like I've been there. You feel used or like they didn't care. And clearly like, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say like, Maybe most people's first time, not that great. Um, but Felicity was just like, he was he was sweet and kind. And this is what I like that she said. It was just horrible that it happened at all. Because yeah. 
I think she gets that there shouldn't be blame attached to this. Mm -hmm. Um, She is feeling it when Noel's around and, and she's feeling like she only apologizes when he's around. When she's talking to her girlfriends who are incredibly supportive, Mm -hmm. when she's talking to Elena, when she's talking to Julie, she's not putting this on herself. She's really only putting it on herself when she's around Noel. And it's, I see her every time he comes into a room or walks down a hallway, like he's looking directly at her and she can't meet his gaze. And Mm -hmm. to me, that screams shame. Yeah, that, that that's there absolutely is something, what I feel from her. Yeah, that there's something wrong with her, that she has done this, and she's this type of person that is bad and mm-hmm. that she didn't think she was. And I just think that's that's the really heartbreaking part for me for Felicity in all of this. Yeah. It's not so much that she had this huge love story with Noel. I mean, really, how long have they been dating? Um, I think we've, I think we've established it's been a couple months or less, maybe a month. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm not feeling like there's something huge that has been necessarily lost in this relationship at this point with him. For me, the heartbreak for her is all about kind of this point in time, how she's feeling about herself, how she feels like it will continue to feel this way forever. Although I think if she looks back on it later, she'll realize it could have been a lot worse. Um, uh, it could have been a lot worse. I want to say one other thing about Eli, since we're looking at pretty much all of the scenes in a batch here, there is a scene, even though I'm not sure if this is the right place to mention it here, we see him one more time when Noel comes into the studio. Now there's, well, I'm sure we'll rewind and talk a lot more about how Noel got into the studio to begin with and who planted this idea in his mind. But anyway, Noel walks into the studio thinking, well, I guess I got to figure out who this Eli person is. Maybe there's solace in that. Maybe if I see this person, there'll be some sort of understanding or closure or whatever he's looking for. And he goes into the studio and he makes a beeline. He kind of knows who Eli is right from just the get-go. And then he walks towards Eli's space and he sees some sketches of Felicity, some lovely sketches of Felicity. And he has just the briefest of conversations with Eli and he asks Eli, oh, who's this? And Eli says, just some girl. And I think you could interpret that, that he's a player and it's just some girl. And that's how Noel's probably taking it. But I'm giving him far more benefit of the doubt from everything that I have seen to this point. He seems to be really thinking about Felicity specifically. I don't think this is just some girl. I think that he's saying that to Noel because who's this guy? Yeah, not you know, like, well, why do I need to explain myself to this guy? I don't even know who exactly. this is. So to me, that line read or that line is one that I guess could have multiple interpretations. And I'm choosing to interpret it to just keep drawing the straight line I've been getting on what he's been in this series so far. I think that he has feelings for Felicity and it's been con- not consuming him in a healthy way, but he, I don't think he's been trying to play the field. I think 
He drew these sketches. He went to her room. He had this night with her. He sent her flowers. We're getting a lot of evidence that he thinks somewhat seriously about her. And I think his just some girl comment was because who the heck is Noel? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I translate just some girl to none your business. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's a good way to put it. That is how I felt about it. I get that Noel says, you know, that's what I thought and just sort of walks away. But I absolutely agree. I don't think that's the way Eli was meant it. Um, And I think Eli, my sense is that when Noel says that and walks away, I think Eli gets the idea. Okay. This is probably the other guy. Yeah. And I kind of like that. He didn't run after him and try to explain anything. He's just like, all right, you know, it's not my, not my place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like the beginning of that scene mm-hmm. where Noel is going into the studio and he's, he's hunting for Eli and he's <laughs> yeah. looking at, at every guy, like he could be the guy. And of course, you know, I'm going to notice stuff like this. He walks in and he finds the one guy in the world with longer sideburns than he has. And is like giving him the eye, like, Hmm. Maybe it's the long sideburn. She guy. has a type. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how. Okay. Like if you're going to give a type, might as well be somebody wants sideburns. <laughs> but it was like the one person that had like the longest freaking sideburn. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just going looking back and forth between the two. And I'm like, sideburns, sideburns. Could be twins. The sideburn um, twins. Yeah, no. Anyway. What if that were a spinoff show? (laughs) Sideburn twins. The sideburn guys. Listeners and us, we need to get on this. We need to come up with a pitch. Maybe this is a project we all work on together. Sideburn twins. Wouldn't you want to see Scott Foley and Simon Rex teaming up? Oh, no. Simon Rex doesn't have the sideburns. It's just a random guy. Oh, random guy. Okay. okay. Yeah, just a random guy. The first guy he sees when he walks in the door. And he looks at him and it's like, is this the guy? And the guy has just like giant sideburns. And that's this is very noticed. telling of what, how much I track appearance. Cause you were like sideburns is like, surely she's talking about Simon Rex and everybody else yeah. is probably screaming. No, Simon Rex doesn't have sideburns. <laughs> this I, you know, everything you need to know about fish and me here, yeah. just by how we talk about the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are going to be, I get distracted by like little things. It, it happens. I mean, there's going to be other things in here that I'm going to be distracted by. I mean, I might as well just say it right now. I am so relieved. Guess what's not in Felicity's room anymore. She Is the bike helmet gone? The bike helmet's gone. It's gone. Wow. Well, Finally. Thank goodness. What a thorn in your side that was. Like, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the nod to in love and marriage, maybe the nod to, oh, do you want me to buy you a bicycle? And her saying no was the go ahead for them to get that prop out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> their room, her room is such a strange place that you see very clearly in this episode. We've seen it before. But there really are two entry doors into that one dorm room. Yeah, that's so weird. Whose dorm room is that big? Especially in your freshman year. And also, if you've got two doors, 
why not just put a wall there and and make it two rooms? Yeah, two singles. I've I've I remember my freshman dorm room, and I remember thinking, how is this furniture going to fit in a way that we can fit? Because when I first got in there, the furniture was in there. There was like two desks, two beds, whatever else they had. And it, but it was smashed together in a way that people couldn't live in that space. And I thought, how can we do this in a way that we can actually function with the furniture in the room? Mm -hmm. And there were not a lot of configurations where that gave us an option. And meanwhile, Felicity and Megan's room is a palace. It is, you know, it, it's absolutely huge. I mean, both my, let's see, I think a bunch of people freshman year and definitely by sophomore year had vaulted their beds. And I vaulted my bed senior year too, um, just to have the extra room, yeah. you know, so... Makes a lot of sense. I see why people did that. Um, I even specifically have this memory. My, my lovely roommate was from the Thai scholars program and she, she spent a lot of time kind of hanging out with her Thai friends and, but we would have these moments in the room together and it wasn't until Thanksgiving where we actually started to have real conversations with each other. We finally broke the ice after a while, but I remember us having a conversation about the configuration of our room and we were trying to figure out how we were going to make it happen. And the number of ridiculous ideas that we proposed, it was just amazing. We, we didn't vault our beds, but she was like, what if we put our desks in a line down the center of the room? I was like, so for me to get to my closet, I have to walk like the longest I have to basically circle the entire room. Um, <laughs> this, like there has to be a better way. And honestly, there really wasn't. We, we came up with a lot of not great ideas and we eventually landed on a not great idea. And that's, we lived that way in the room <laughs> for, for, a whole, for a whole year of school. And that's, that's just what it was. Shout out to Kay. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I feel like this is just true. I mean, the friends apartment in New York City, no, like mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls where she goes to Yale. Although I will say, uh, having seen some of the dorms there, they, they had some pretty impressive dorm rooms, but mm -hmm. um, I think it just it probably wasn't when you were a freshman, but once you get into to certain, and I guess you are, you are in houses freshman year. I'm just thinking um, of the ones that I've seen. So, but still, um, that yeah, freshman year, you apartment. usually don't get the best of the best situation. Yeah. But I think that, you know, they, they stay in a house, mm. like, it, you know, whatever house, and then you just stay there for like three years, unless you move into a frat or sorority. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't, I don't know. We'd have to find someone who, who actually went and asked them. Well, maybe one of our listeners has been. Yeah, let us know. Feel free to jump in and let us know. Another, if we're going to have an architecture segment here, I also want to acknowledge the gorgeous library. Oh, yeah. That we've been in that library before, and I'm sure I've remarked on it before, but the huge, the high arched ceilings and that like white stone work all through that library. Oh, what a lovely space. It's, it, they had, they made it a point to frame that shot so we could see the whole space and then pan in on the conversation that Julie and Felicity were having. 
And it's a nice, wide open, light, airy space. And just think how much more wide open and airy it will be once they remove all the card catalog. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All over the place. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? But I think that kind of space sticks out to me because of the contrast with the lighting, the, the... as we have mentioned before, so much of season one is set in places that feel really dark. And so to see a space that feels so light and open and, and white and like bright, uh, there's just something very different about that. And we saw a lot of it. And finally, we spent a lot of time in the library for that episode. But yeah, just seeing it, especially coming off of an episode that feels claustrophobic at times, to be in a space like that for some scenes is very nice. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, okay, so if we, like I don't wanna leave the, the Felicity Knoll thing just yet because I also wanna think about it from Knoll's perspective, which I, I feel like from the show in this episode, we don't see as much of it because we are seeing a lot of kind of anger mm-hmm. right and when um i think i said like a number of episodes ago that uh when when people are not feeling great men tend to go towards anger and women tend to go towards depression mm. and i think that we see that here um i think that that he, he is hurt and he's angry and she is in a way like sad and down on herself but I mean, when we think about what's going on with Noel, I mean, he had this girlfriend for two years and they broke up and we had this whole episode where he reconnects with her and he is really confused. And to his credit, he does not cheat on Felicity. He comes to her and he says, I'm confused. He doesn't go off and sleep with Hannah and try to figure it out and then come back to her, mm-hmm. come back to Felicity and say nothing or, you know, say this is this is what happened. Um, he is honest and upfront and it's hard, but he does it and mm-hmm. he does risk losing her. And what's so heartbreaking about that for him, I think, is he gets back together, you know, with Hannah for a day, you know, mm-hmm. a day, not even a full day, I don't think, before he realizes this is not the girl for me. Like, I really have these strong feelings for Felicity. And I, I don't know, I feel like he has stronger feelings for her than she has for him. And that has just been true throughout the entire series. Um, and, and he is more kind of love at first sight kind of guy, as opposed to Felicity, who's had the sort of been slow burn going on. And, you know, I don't think she was in love with Eli, but as we've said, she's more, impulsive in that sense but I you know I think Noel's really attached to her and there is some sexism attached to why he's attached to her but 
you know, he, he had this one night, it, it screwed everything up with his relationship and he's angry and he's hurt and he wants to be back together. But, you know, forgiveness, people say it's a choice. And I think over time it is, you actively have to work on it a lot, but again, he's young. And the fact is he, he doesn't forgive her in that moment. And he doesn't, I mean, he, he's just not in a place where that can happen. And that is heartbreaking, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for him, not only has he lost this two year girlfriend, had basically no time with her. Now he's lost his new relationship and doesn't know what to do with himself. He's trying everything he can. He's out drinking and Lane is actually giving him great advice, you know, and cutting him off and sending him home to his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And also, can we just say that is some freaking great hair that Lane has there. Lynn. Yeah. Sorry, Lynn. Um, I mean, wow. Uh, so for me, you know, there's, there's a lot of heartbreak with Noel as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get that, that he does kind of go to anger and he's, he's, he's flailing and he is drowning and he is flailing. And, and unfortunately he's, he's reaching out and taking Felicity down with him, Mm -hmm. uh, a bit there. And she's not helping herself out, uh, by swimming away and, and, you know, so as I said, it's just kind of heartbreaking overall. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that Noel's feelings here are really complex and he's had this borderline obsession with Felicity for the whole season so far. And And then he's in this space where he's really confused about a relationship that probably has far more depth to it. And I guess to a degree, he might feel like Felicity owes him the time, even though he said to her, I can't expect you to wait. Maybe he feels like expected her to wait. Yeah, he really did. And, you know, he was saying those words, but he never he thought it was a given. He didn't know that this guy, Eli, he, I mean, he never would have imagined that this would have happened. And so maybe him saying that to her was like, this is, this is going to be an easy criteria to me, you know, and, and, and being out with Hannah just for a night, he wouldn't have thought that she couldn't have waited that long. And to know that his actions and his confusion has allowed for this level of disarray. I don't, I don't know that I see him consciously blaming himself in this episode, but maybe subconsciously that's in there. And he's not happy with what Felicity's done, but he made room for it. And he broke up with her. He made a lot of room for it. He made all the room for it. And, you know, that's, that's there. And but the obsession with Felicity didn't go away. His choice to be with Felicity, to stop what he was doing with Hannah and to be there, he made that choice consciously. So he wants to be with Felicity and now they have to deal with this mess. And 
forgiveness is a tricky concept. It's something I've thought about a lot. And I think what I've come to understand about forgiveness is that it's more about, it's less about forgiving the other person and saying it as much as it is about letting it go yourself. Yeah. And so in this situation, and sometimes in life, when we have to forgive people, we're forgiving them and they're not even there to hear it. They aren't alive. They aren't with you there. You're broken up, whatever the situation is. A lot of times when we have to forgive people, we're forgiving them and we can't, we can't express it to them. It is a thing that is just for us in this situation. They're both there. They're both together. They're going to see each other. And so Noel has to be able to let it go himself. And then he has to be able to communicate that to Felicity as well. And it's the same thing for her. Uh, She has the added layer of having an action that she's already blaming herself for. So she needs to forgive that of herself. And then she needs to forgive where it happened in the relationship. So there's a lot of muddy waters to go through with forgiveness and in a situation where they live a matter of doors away from each other and they're going to see each other on a regular basis they really have to find some way to get to a place that's um i i don't even know if i want to use the word workable but a place where they're just not gonna be tortured by this and they can find a path so it's hard to do that from where they are in this moment. I think they're both so confused about what just happened. I think they're both so confused about how they feel about it. I think there's a lot of different feelings that are all in a soup of feelings that they've mixed together. And they're having to figure out what it, what it all is before they can get to the forgiveness stage. Because how do you know, how can you forgive something if you're not even sure what it is yourself? Yeah. And I mean, they do make this big show of officially breaking up at this point, like actually saying the words. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like that was more towards that step of moving on, more of a closure moment. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they were broken up, um, even if it was a short amount of time. And so, you know... And and I agree. I mean, Noel says a few times, even after Felicity tells him about Eli, that he understands that it's all his fault. But I don't really believe that's how he feels. I don't think so either. Because in the same breath, he'll come back and say, but this is what you did. And this is what you shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier for him to go there. Yeah. And I, I think that we see two really important things from them at the end of this, where they agree they're tacitly or not. They say, we're not going to shoot each other in the game of assassins and we're not able to forgive each other. And it's sort of a no man's land of what they are. You know, they know what they're not doing, but what are they doing? I think it's a, a mysterious place to wade through. Yeah. And the other thing I found really interesting about that was, so they're in this place and this whole episode is about them being in this weird place and Ben keeps cropping up mm-hmm. and I'm just like, well, what's happening with that? You know, it's, it's, it's not on Felicity's mind because she's, she's got a lot <laughs> on her mind. Yeah. But to know, like he keeps cropping up. He's like, Oh, 
Thanks, Lynn, for bringing that back up. Yeah, and there Nola is trying to drink his sorrow away, and Jalen cuts him off and says, hey, Ben's going to be here soon. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I'm never coming back to this bar. <laughs> oh, what a mess. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ben, he's always yep. there, isn't he? Just, you know, and, and Noel was waiting for her to get over Ben, and did she? Did she ever really get over him? Hard to say. So I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm his name is coming up in this episode. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens in the the continued fallout. Yeah. And there will be continued fallout. I will say one other thing about Felicity and Noel. I have one more note that I wanted to point out. And that's how they ended the episode where they say, you know, they agree that they can't forgive each other. And they've done this in a few different episodes where you close it by looking from outside the window. The camera goes outside the window, looking at them inside the room. And in this situation, they're just sitting there. Sometimes when they do this kind of closing shot and Felicity, you'll see the characters talking with each other or having a bonding moment. And in this situation, they're just sitting there looking depressed and that's sort of where it's just an awkward moment where we leave them. And I, I think that you had made a comment about this the first time we see, we see it where it, it makes you feel like these two people could be any of us having a conversation like this, you know, it's somebody outside looking in on their, their situation, their relationship, and it could be any of us going through something like this. And we're just getting this bird's eye view of them. Yep. I do like it when they do that. Um, cause it does make it more universal and, you know, just sort of thinking about the emotions of it. The emotions of it are, I think, timeless. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we're actually going through the episode, it's like, ah, there's a boom box. When was the last time you saw one of those? Mm -hmm. I had one of those at college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made you a mixtape. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have to tell you, I saw this um, this news story. They have just removed the last two public payphones from New York City. Wow. There are no more payphones. Okay. City. There you have it. This week. 2022. So. It was time. You know? So every time we now talk about payphones, you're not even going to be able to go to those two and yeah. find out what we well, were Well, in New about. York City anyway. In New York City. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you're gonna, if you place. want a payphone, you're going to have to go somewhere that's not New York City. Yeah. I mean, Jersey. Do some research. New attraction. Yeah. Huh. Everything old is new again. Everything <laughs> old might be old again, too. I don't know. Hard to say. <laughs> well, hey, we name dropped Ben. Why don't we talk about him? Let's do that. All right. Go for it. I think the main thing that we saw with Ben here was the Julie and Lynn dynamics. And we see Ben with each of those characters. And we are seeing that Ben is getting frequently and regularly pulled into late night activities. He's getting pulled into what, going to concerts and bars and, you know, he's just being asked to go out with the guys or just Lynn on a regular basis. And he's got these 5am practices 
and he's going out late at night. And so we're seeing Ben and Lynn and the guys bonding and having this guy time together. And we're also seeing a lot of looks from Julie about it. You know, looking at the clock, thinking how late it is, looking at Ben, thinking you're going out really at that time of night. There's a lot of Julie looking at Ben thinking, I don't love the choices here. And I don't love that I'm alone while you're doing this stuff. And so I have this, this feeling this is happening for her a lot, even if we only see it a couple times in the episode. She said that she was starting to have these feelings in the last episode, but now we're seeing it. We're actually seeing that he is indeed making a lot of choices to spend time with the guys and leave her by herself. And, you know, to a degree where she's like, is that even healthy what you're doing? Um, you know, are you going to get enough sleep? Can you go to practice the next day? So I'm starting to see a lot more of this happen in their relationship. And I think that's the, the plot they're trying to give us in this part of the show. Yeah. I'm a little torn when I think about the two of them now. And I thought it was really nice early on, again, when they were sharing those intimate moments and it was new and, you know, they both seemed happy. Um, that does not seem to be the case anymore. You know, um, Ben's got his little new bromance going on with Lynn. And yes, they are going out a lot, but. I mean, if you're ever going to do it, this is when you do it, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we had 5 a.m. practices and our team would go out and our coach could tell, you know, if we if we had, you know, too much to drink the night before, whatever, and he would have us, I mean, he would punish us in the pool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was no freaking joke when he knew we were hungover. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it yeah there are consequences but he's going out with the guys and frankly he's a freshman in college like maybe a girlfriend like full-time girlfriend isn't what like a hot athlete in college wants at that yeah. point in time yeah and so she, maybe she's feeling that and you know it's certainly not not going to make her feel great, but I mean, it, it would be nice. And I hope we get to see in the future them kind of talking about this stuff because now it just seems like they're not talking. I mean, Julie, unfortunately, like she sees these decisions that are fine. They're bad decisions. He's gambling. He's drinking too much. He's going out, you know, he's leaving her alone and neglecting his relationship. But you know what? 18, 19 year old guys do that. And mm -hmm. she's coming off as kind of a nag to say, like, maybe you shouldn't be out drinking. It's like, come on. Yeah, so. I think that she's finding she's she's seeing the things that she's supposed to see. And I don't and I she might just be in a spot where it's like, what do I do about it? You know, it's it's she's right now she's simmering in the discomfort of being the thing that's not chosen every time mm -hmm. to the point where they have the conversation about her birthday coming up and she thinks for sure Ben's forgotten. And she's surprised that he has any plans 
that he's working on and she's happy about it. It sort of puts a bandaid on where the relationship is like, Ooh, you you're working on a thing. You have a surprise. It's really exciting to her that he's been thinking about her and you know, it, we're seeing a problem in the relationship. We're seeing that they're invested at two very different levels and Julie's going to need to, to, do something about the fact that she's feeling this way. And it may not be wrong that Ben, you know, like you said, this is a choice Ben's making and maybe he'll make a new decision at some point. Maybe he won't, maybe he wants to be living this life right now. And uh, if, if they keep, they can't stay in this space for a long time, right. They have to eventually have some sort of a conversation about this or figure out what this is going to look like, because this is not tenable. Yeah, I guess this may not be the most popular opinion, but so we know that Julie has some insecurities, especially around guys. And it's like, she doesn't want to go out with Ben and the guys because she feels like the girlfriend, like she's being kind of left out to the side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then she's sitting home alone. Uh-huh. instead of finding her own girlfriends and going out with them or kind of getting over it and feeling like she's worth being part of this or bringing some friends along if you're going to hang out at a bar i mean to me i i kind of feel like this is work julie needs to do internally yeah um not so much that you know ben has to be the guy who is protective and there and always around and doesn't have other friends and isn't going out and isn't drinking. And, you know, I just feel like that's unrealistic for a college freshman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I, I think she needs to figure out whether she's happy as the way things are and then whether, you know, is she looking for a different kind of guy and a different kind of relationship, which may not be that realistic, or, you know, can she sort of widen her social circle? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be with guys. It can be with her girlfriends. And, and, you know, Elena and Felicity don't really seem like the party type. Um, so, you know, if she's not studying and she's not hanging out with them, where are her people? Where are, you know, maybe the artistic um, music playing? Like she doesn't have to go out to a bar with Ben, but she could go out to a different like open mic night um, or like, you know, get into something, do something that isn't, that doesn't make you feel alone. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I don't, I, I, I don't know how other people, people will feel about the take. I totally agree with it. And she, she needs to have some ownership and some agency of the choices that she is making here. And right now she's choosing to sit at home alone and be irritated or feel lonely. And this is her life too. She can make decisions and it doesn't have to be that. I think one of the things that is, is starting to brew because she's making these choices to spend time at home alone is that she's not exactly alone because Sean's there. And so we're seeing more scenes with Julie and Sean. We're seeing this, this friendship grow between Julie and Sean, and that's manifesting into its own stuff. 
he's kind of the only one there by default. That's the person she's going to connect with because she's seeing more of him than pretty much anybody else at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, she has taken up a bit of a hobby, which is being Sean's wing woman. Mm-hmm. And I kind of am loving that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you always talk about Sean as this uh, bull in a china shop. And I think I really saw it when Julie and Felicity were sitting and, and talking with each other. And Julie kind of wants to know what the details are and what's wrong. And then Sean just sits down and is like, hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Julie's like, there must have been a lot of tension in the conversation he walked into because Julie's trying to understand. Like, Julie thinks the conversation she's having with Felicity is about the fact that Noel walked out on her with Hannah, having no idea <sighs> that Felicity just slept with Eli and is feeling really ashamed about that. And it seems like Felicity is on the verge of telling her. And having this real breakthrough moment in their friendship and then in this conversation and then bam, they're Sean. I I didn't feel like Felicity was ready to say anything. I, I feel like she was always going to tell Noel first. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's kind of got this, like, I'm just running. Anytime someone brings this up, I'm just running away. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I, I, I feel like she was going to run away anyway. Yeah. Um, but Could Sean be. didn't help. He didn't. He did not help the situation. Sean was a man on a mission, and he didn't care what energy he walked into in that moment. He just he's got he's got a plan. Fish. Here's what yeah, the plan is. He new- wants to approach a girl. He wants he wants to approach a librarian, a hot librarian that he's really mm-hmm. digging. I don't even know how does this man spend so much time in this library? Don't they have security? What's going on? But anyway, I, I still don't know how he got in. Yeah, he did just swipe a key card. Who that's what we guy? had to do. I don't know. Maybe that's not how it works at UNY. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. But so Sean's got a plan. He he wants to make an impression on this librarian, and it's going to involve the following three steps. Number one, get her name, okay. not by asking her, but by somehow intuiting it. Num- step two, <laughs> give her a letter, which might have been. 1B. It might have been part of the process of getting her name. And then we've got step three, buy day planner and yes. give it to said librarian monogram or not monogram with a full name on it. Yeah. Just her first name. Just the first name. Misspelled. Yeah. I was unfortunate. So that's the plan. He's got it. He's got a game plan for this. There's a step four. Portion. I mean, I assume the step four is ask her out. Although maybe it was longer because he did say he had a whole prospectus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I love how he just kept throwing marketing, like business terms mm-hmm. into this. He's like, I've got a whole prospectus plan God, for this I, woman. He's give her a buyer incentive, the day planner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he knows what's happening here. And so he's got this plan that he unfolds one step at a time to Julie and Julie continues to be totally mystified. Like, Okay, well, oh, well, what's her name? Oh, you don't, you don't know her name. And now he's, now she's enlisted to get Chloe's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which she Which, does very smoothly. She's a great wing woman. Uh-huh. She just, you know, hops up and is like, I don't remember what name she used, but she's like, oh, are you Natalie? Vivian. Vivian. Okay. Oh, are you Vivian? You wouldn't happen to be Vivian, do you? <laughs> no, I'm Chloe. Aha! 
I don't know how that works so often in like television shows because I feel like in real life people just say no. Yeah. Like they don't then follow it up with, oh, here's my name. Like you cared. Um, <laughs> so yeah. That always seems to work out. Um, well, it worked out in this case. That's for sure. Julie now has the name and she thinks for sure Sean's going to just go up and ask her out now. You've got the yeah. name. That's what you yeah. wanted. He's like, no, 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 no. I have to leave now and do step two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There, there was the letter first. Yeah, I mean, that was the letter. Well, but yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. The dear librarian, yes. let me begin this letter by introducing myself. My name is Sean. You may know me already as a successful and attractive entrepreneur. <laughs> Who keeps hanging which... out in the library. <laughs> <laughs> and selling fruit. <laughs> yeah, we're Julie. adding a couple of those pieces on the end. It's fine. Yeah. I love what, like, every time Sean opens his mouth, Julie's like, I'm not selling fruit for you. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, <laughs> something different. It's different this time. It's an even weirder plan. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I'm going to give an award here because I feel like this, this just hasn't been highlighted enough in the show. So uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to compare it to yet, but as Sean um, sort of picks everything up, he's like, you know, it's on to stage two and he's walking out of the library, giving an award for uh, having a nice butt. Oh, he does. Yeah. And L- we listeners just... who know the show, you know, the, <laughs> the, the costume outfit that I'm thinking of, that's going to make oh. Fish very happy later. Oh, this oh, is now you're going to have to wait seasons wait. for this, but if you like Sean's butt, I do. I enjoy his butt. I think it's nice. I like a little something to hold on to. And, um, frankly, we just haven't seen that much of other people's butts, uh, you know, yeah, Ben was wearing a Speedo, but I just can't ever find a guy attractive in a Speedo. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need to look away. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I hear you. I hear no. you. We've got well, the uh, there's that. nice butt award for uh, for Sean. You have all kinds and... of awards today. I just gave a, a non-name award for Eli just for being Eli, but you. Did I give another award? I feel like you did. Well, nope. maybe I'm just I feel like maybe, that was my only award. <laughs> maybe, maybe that could be, that could be the case. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah. Sean's on a mission here and he's, and he's got his butt and he's working it. Yeah, he is. Um, and I mean, it's surprising cause he comes up to her, uh, and you know, he's, he's not going to give her the buyer incentive, the day planner, because Julie just shot that down. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when he, does eventually approach Chloe. Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, she's wearing purple. Oh, I'll just say. <laughs> um, and uh, and he asks her out, and I mean, she hasn't even seen his butt. I mean, she is so into whatever she's doing that she doesn't even get that he's asked her out, and you know. She's, she's and just by like, the way, it what? would be fairly easy to think he hadn't just asked her out because he what? led in with a whole speech about archaeology and Egyptian tombs and, you know, something about them being prosaic. <laughs> and then yes. 
And then she's thinking for sure this man is looking for a title for her to look up. And she, no, he's like, no, I just asked you out. She's like, what? What happened? (laughs) I missed all that. And there's only one thing preventing her saying yes. Mm -hmm. What is that thing, Fish? She's lost her day planner. Oh, what a me cute. I mean, my goodness, I loved Sean's smile at that moment. He was yeah. just like, she's the girl for me. Yeah. And there were birds chirping and you could just hear the music swell in his own mind. Mm-hmm. And then we get the nice little shot at the end of them walking along together. So we assume she said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would seem that way. I mean, she he pretty much... He, you know, if we're talking about sales, he addressed her objection, which was the day planner. She's kind of day planner now, and she cleared her night. She does. It um, it doesn't have her name on it, but it's got something close to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cleo, yeah, Cleo. gotta love it. Well, yep. here here we are. That's a that's a budding relationship that's happening thanks to Ooh. the occasional nudge from Julie. Does she come back? Mm. Is this is this going to be like a? We'll I just sort of assumed it was a. Well, Sean showed up, and we'll never see her again. It's not a. It's not a one off. Oh, it's okay. not going to be a many off, but it's a one off. That uh, or it's not a one off. So it's it's uh, we'll see her again. I feel like maybe one episode could be two. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We're not going to get to know her really well, but he's he's pursuing this. He has a plan. He's still pursuing it. All right. I mean, yay. Yeah. So there is another storyline that, look, we've buried this lead way <laughs> a lot because this episode is called Assassins. It wasn't mm-hmm. even in the episode description and we saved it for the end. So what does that tell us about the world? I don't know, but there was a game that they played in the dorm for the entire episode called Assassins. And you accurately guessed last week that the title of the episode was about playing this game. Yes. Um, I think we buried the lead and, and what it said was that I really wanted to talk about it and thought it was sort of like the best part mm-hmm. and wanted to save it for last and so for those of you who are still with us all this time in you're going to get it now yay so exciting um so i'm going to start off by saying we played this um my freshman year and uh, we didn't do it with little darts uh we did it with spoons so basically the rules were you had to have a spoon, like you, you couldn't just lay a spoon on your leg. You had to have it, you had to be holding it somehow, mm-hmm. but you could be holding it with like one finger or you could hold it behind your knee, like a, a joint had to be grasping it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elena and I have a few things in common. Okay. Um, I mean, Melissa, you can talk about from the the perspective of gymnastics, but Mm -hmm. water polo is about as full contact a sport as you're going to get in the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it requires a lot of um, aggression and competitiveness and 
So I'm competitive. I, mm-hmm. I, I always have been. And uh, like Elena, I had to win. I had not played it before, so I did not have anyone's face haunting me. But, you know, this this was something that that I did for, I'm a little embarrassed to say, months. I held a spoon for months huh. uh, in <laughs> class, <laughs> in the dorm, you know, when I wasn't in practice. And it just came down... You know, I, I wouldn't have had to do that if there wasn't this other girl who was just as competitive as me. And the two of us just refused to give up. Mm-hmm. I will say I was a little bit more sportsmanlike than Elena. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, mm, she, she was cutthroat. I mean, she was going to get you. So uh, ours ended because we had a fire drill. And I, you know, instead of saving myself, made sure that I had my spoon. It was in the middle of the night. It was like 3 a.m. We were all asleep. And I was like, what am I going to bring with me? My spoon. Mm -hmm. Um, This other girl did not have the same priorities in life, Mm -hmm. uh, probably to her credit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when I found her and she was spoonless, I was like, you know what? I think we should split the prize, which was probably like $10 worth of ice cream. Okay. Um, Like a monster from Ben and Jerry's or something. That is exactly what it was. Yes. (laughs) Of course, we were going to split anyway amongst the dorm. So the two of us held on to spoons for like three bites of ice cream for months. And, you know, I just, I I feel good with that decision. I did Mm -hmm. not, I didn't get her uh during the fire alarm in the middle of the night when it was like snowing outside and you know elena elena would have you know she just she shot guy right in the back yeah yeah well let's also set this up so this is a game that was the reason they bring this into the show is that apparently they're combating security issues. People in the dorm don't seem to know each other as well as they should, and they're letting strangers into the dorm. And so this was Noel's bright idea that he brought to the RAs. Which kind of wishing wouldn't be manifesting right now with all his emotional turmoil. Yeah, this is not a good idea, again, from Noel. Because Mm -hmm. in his continuing failure as an RA, like you only find out one person's, like the only person who knows everybody's name is Elena. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's now not, I mean, and frankly, she probably doesn't care who comes in and out of the dorm as long as they don't bug her. Mm-hmm. So probably not the greatest idea. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe name tags. Yeah. Yeah. That could have helped. There's gotta be other, other solutions, but they played this game. I yeah, did not yeah. play this. I've never played this game before. I didn't play it in college. Uh, it sounds like you played it with spoons in this particular episode in this show they're playing it with toy rubber suction dart guns which (laughs) i guess your mileage is going to vary a whole lot right now on bringing guns into a university setting of any nature absolutely not would not fly today this is not what they would be using right now if they were used but but the the point of this is the game of it all and it creates some some humorous moments by watching it right now you'll probably have a different feeling about if they made this show right now they would not they would be using a different tool like so for example a spoon so 
But uh, because it is a suction dart gun of some sort, it allows for some interesting things like we've got Lewis, who used to be the knife wielding Lewis, who's now a conscientious objector. He's a pacifist who objects to the use of the dart gun. So there's that. I don't know when this transition happened for him. This man's been doing a lot of work on himself. Yeah, I mean, it's college. It's it's the time. Mm-hmm. This is the time for it. And then you get Elena, yeah. who's going for redemption. She came in second once, and she's just not going to have it again this time. We've got Richard, who has no idea how to load the gun. And we're really getting some very on-brand stuff happening here. Well, we find out from Richard how he feels about, um, I guess, playing the game. And he calls uh, Lewis a conscientious wuss. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not great for his character, but he does, does redeem himself a bit later. So, yeah, we're going to get a lot of Richard being Richard in this episode. He, at one point he has Noel's name and he comes into the room toying with his prey. He's just like, I want you to squirm Noel. And Noel's just like, shoot me and put me out of my misery. And Richard now is concerned. Richard, for the first time, switches from taunting Noel to, hey, buddy, what do you need? (laughs) Yeah, he does. He he makes a super awkward movement for the gun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it, it gives Noel a moment to just sort of take the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. for Richard. And uh, you're right. He he goes from taunting Noel to just sort of simply annoying him. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he does. He sits down. He's like, I'm here for you. It's, it's about fel- Felicity, isn't it? And we've known in the past that he's asked about this really for his own benefit. But here, here he, he's been through it at summer camp. Mm-hmm. And he wants Noel to know that it happened to him at summer camp. The guy was a minnow. He was. I mean, that's hard, right? As a blow to a guy's ego. Yeah, he's he's like, do you hear what I'm telling you, man? I lost my girlfriend to a guy that wore floaties. Oh, poor Richard, right? We loved this scene. (laughs) (laughs) This was so funny. Oh my goodness. We watched more sitting than on the bed. Yeah, it, it was worth it. Uh, sitting on the bed. I mean, in my mind, it was a little bit of a Humphrey Bogart moment. Like, this is the start of a great friendship. Yeah, but just uh, not anywhere near as suave. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's so funny because you just sort of think of Richard as this just annoying guy this funny, annoying guy who's just always around. And for the whole beginning of what we've seen from him, it was, he was annoying because he was trying to thwart Noel at every turn. And now he wants to be Noel's friend. He wants to have a heart to heart and he's even more annoying to Noel. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yes. Uh, But Noel does listen to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, he listens to the opposite of the advice Richard was trying to give him. Yes. Richard waxes I mean, poetic about having his need to hunt down the guy that was summer camp girlfriend is cheating on with him. And he, uh, 
he ends up convincing Noel to go find Eli. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, Noel doesn't want to talk to Richard, but he's got to talk to somebody. Yeah. And he's not going to go talk to Ben. And have we seen him have other friends? He's not going to talk to Hannah. Mm-mm. Uh, I mean, who does he have? So, you know, Richard sits down on the bed and, and says, you know, tell me about it. And Noel starts talking. And Richard is not the friend that Noel wants, but it's the friend that Noel needs. <laughs> well, it's the friend that Noel has. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Whether he likes it or not. Yeah, that's, a, that's absolutely right. But Richard does say something that I appreciated. Um, you know, he says he goes, he went out to find the guy because it's human nature and a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we got a little wisdom. Yeah. And then before you know it, Noel's rocking into the studio, finding Eli. Just (sighs) can't, he can't. It's human nature. Well, I guess so. Uh, Sure. So one of the things that I really appreciated about Richard here, and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and spin this into a note from an optimist because we see Richard again later and he confronts Felicity in the cafeteria And he is ready to defend his new buddy to the death. Mm -hmm. And he will be the one who dies because Felicity has his name. (laughs) And she is going to basically send a dart directly into his eye. Mm -hmm. The look on her face is so, she's just like, I must get him. (laughs) And you can't see Melissa's face right now, but she is doing what Felicity did, which is... She bared her teeth yeah. and shot him in it's the face. It's an expression we've never seen from Carrie Russell in this show. And she's just determined. It's an angry determination. She must make Richard stop talking. And she's going to do that by <laughs> disrupting him with a rubber dart to the eye. And he's like, oh, that was my eye. And then he just kind of cowers away in, into a corner. But um, it reminded me there's another character that we see defending Felicity in a similar similar way Elena Mm -hmm. is just not having it she is doesn't want Felicity to let Noel off the mat she is going to be supportive of I mean the levels to which Elena is just like nope you're awesome Noel's the jerk she she is the friend you need right and she's I think the two of those characters, Elena and Richard in this scenario, defending their friends really made me appreciate friends who do that, you know, where it's like, the, yeah, they're, you're going to have honest moments with them and you're going to tell them, you, you know, what's up, but you're also going to be really supportive to them. And, you know, if somebody's trying to hurt them, you want to make sure they stop. And Elena does that so many times in this episode between the conversations she has with Felicity and getting the last jello back from Megan, give her back the jello, she says. Um, You know, all of this stuff that they're doing for their friends here, I really, it made me feel very warm towards those two characters because they just want to be good friends to Nolan Felicity. And if you're not Nolan Felicity in this situation, you better watch out. I get where you're coming from. 
it is going to be no surprise that I disagree. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear from it, cynic. What do you think? Well, so when Richard comes <laughs> up and is like, I know what you did to Noel, your dirty deed to me, not only is that annoying, that is, you know, way overstepping. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is not really friends with Noel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll say yet. I don't know if that's ever, but they're not really friends and he's coming up and he's calling out and shaming a woman for sleeping with someone when she was broken up, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to me that that's just like, I get where it's coming from, but it did not land well Uh with me. Um, And Elena, I do love that she stands up for Felicity, but what I noticed is she's not always helping and it's because she doesn't know what's really going on and i find it odd that felicity doesn't tell her she tells julie Mm -hmm. but she doesn't tell elena and elena's sitting there going i mean he's the one who should feel bad he was with someone not you Mm -hmm. you know so she's kind of piling it on but i do love the jello moment mm-hmm. because felicity is like she's just had it with the world and <laughs> all she wants is her jello yeah and this is the wrong time for megan to come up and and just not care and felicity is she does she calls her a selfish offensive freak show hmm. which you know I'm not loving that, uh-huh. um, but she is upset and Megan doesn't really seem to care and does shoot back. She's like, you know, I thought getting someone loosened you up, but you're worse than ever. I mean, that, that's got to not sit well either. Uh-huh. So I've written all these things down about Felicity and uh, Megan, and I've written one word next to Elena uh-huh. for that scene. And that word is hero. See? Yep. So yeah. in that moment, when she comes up and shoots, or she first she shows her the card, and is like, "She's the real assassin." Like, mm-hmm. just shows up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. She's like, "This is your name, isn't it?" And what I don't understand exactly is she still shoots her, and then Megan still gives the Jello back. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I don't care. Elena is my hero. Yeah. In this yeah. Scene. See, we got there. Uh, well, and this brings us back to the lead we buried to begin with. So we buried it twice, really. We're bringing it back now. Yeah. Because uh, Megan actually had Elena's name the entire time. Problem was, she had no idea who Elena Tyler was. So yeah. Elena keeps being in the room with Megan, knowing full well that Megan has her name and is the assassin that's supposed to get her. And feels relatively comfortable to start walking around the dorm and just going after people because Megan still has no clue. It happens when, you know, they're first in the room together and she finds out Megan has her and she just kind of sidles out the door. And then, you know, later when Daryl and Lewis or Megan are in their stalemate, they're all like, I'm just going for my car. Like, who has me? Do any of you have me? And then Elena just saunters in. Yeah. gets Daryl, walks out, knowing Megan still has no idea who she is. So I mean, Megan's she's interesting because 
it's like she doesn't care but in that moment she kind of cared i'm also gonna say everyone go back and look at it everyone is wearing purple in that scene wow except for elena all three of the people purple um i don't know what's up it's just that i've it's lost all meaning they're using it too much um but i mean here's the thing they're all pointing their guns at each other but if any of them had each other's names, they'd just shoot them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no real standoff here. Yeah, it makes no sense. shoot someone. But it was cinematic. It was a good moment. It was. It was. It showed the paranoia that had gotten into, you know, the students, which is what I guess they were looking for, a little more paranoia. Maybe, except Megan still has no idea. She hasn't actually tried to figure out who Elena is. Seems like that yeah. could have been really easy to fix. So I guess it hasn't worked for the security issues problem that they were trying to deal with. It is no. the most unconfident I've ever seen, Megan. It's true. Yeah, it did feel a little out of character because on the one hand, she knows neither of them are named Elena. Mm-hmm. So why is she pointing her gun at them? Yeah, she's fine <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. She's just like, do either of you have me? Because if you do, I don't have anything I can do about it. Yeah. and. How is it that Felicity and Elena have been friends and Felicity's never dropped Elena's name in the room while Megan was there? So wouldn't Megan know that Felicity knows an Elena? Mm. Uh, I think she could have said her name hundreds of times and Megan would have no idea. That's probably true. Yeah, she couldn't care less. All right, fair enough. Well, there you have it. And Elena just keeps charging through the dorm. You know, she's targeting Guy, poor Guy. He's locked in his room, can't come out, can't go to the bathroom, can't go to class. Look, if he was really competitive, like he would have peed in a bottle. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Like who trusts somebody in a game of assassins to be like, oh, here's a five minute break. I mean, come on. I get that it's unsportsmanlike, but also police. Yeah. And then we get the classic line after... Elena gives him a reprieve for five minutes uh, or to, to, well, she breaks it immediately. She shoots his back as he's walking away. And Guy says, Noel, she cheats because Noel's coming into the hallway at that moment. Noel says, so does everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a pathetic, sad moment. Nobody in that scenario was cheating. I -hmm. mean, I, I get how he's feeling, but like, Nobody You're was right. Cheating. Nobody was actually cheating in that situation. No. Uh, well, it's how he feels. So it is. Yeah, so it is. So I don't know. Does does Elena actually win? Because she disqualifies Nolan Felicity, who if two people get each other, I don't think like that I don't think the game works. If that happens, I because don't like, know how that could be avoided. I no, think that would be imagine, a fundamental problem. Now, imagine that Noel shot Felicity. Mm-hmm. Then he's got his own name. Yeah. How does then, anyone win the game? Yeah. So I'm I'm seeing some I, I've never played this game. So I'm seeing some problems with the rules because it could happen with more than one pairing of people. And then do you have a tie among all the people who get their own name in the end? No, it definitely is avoided some way. Like this was done for the show, like without either because they just wanted this scene and they thought we wouldn't notice it, which we didn't for the first 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, 
or because they don't know how, you know, numbers work. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely something that's avoided. Like you usually have someone who's outside of it, you know, giving everybody a random number and they'll draw and I don't know, you do something in the background and make sure nobody's matched with the same, you know, who could get their own name. Mm-hmm. But since okay. no one had to participate, then apparently, yeah. Yeah. This is what happened. Well, okay. Uh, there it is. But yeah, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. There wasn't a what Sally said, what Sally meant segment to do for this one because we didn't actually get a tape from Sally. Because they chose instead to close out on that you know, are the, I guess the sort of closing argument between Felicity and Noel and them just deciding that they kind of can't forgive each other. And they're, you know, we, we get the lovely shot of them from outside of the window, but we didn't get the tape from Sally. We got a tape from Felicity to Sally, but That's we didn't true. get one back. So, so no tape from Sally. Not and much to instead see Instead of that, I am just going to leave you all with um, my opinion that of the only person in the whole show who has successfully worn a hat and that is Lynn and it was fantastic. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Again, once again, something I never would have noticed, but I'm glad. It's a great hat. That you're I mean, sharing that with you're, us. You're really missing out on a lot of stuff. I just, that's not the way that I see the world, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's continually brought to my attention that I have missed all of the fashion every single time. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, it, you know, I'm working on it. There's a there's Not program. just the fashion. I mean, how great Lynn's hair was. I mean, hmm. people had their hair on point in this episode. Okay. I mean, Felicity had great hair. I mean, Noel and Lynn in their scene and Ben and, I mean, even Julie's little, you know, fun things didn't look so bad so i mean hair was on point okay well how about that well i'd like to take a moment since since we have said our feedback i thought i'd share some listener feedback um the after you listen to this tape you have to erase it segment so actually i'm gonna go a little off the grid for this one first and i wanted to just give a shout out first i'm gonna also mention somebody's feedback after this but I want to give a shout out to Brandy over at Felicity.DearSally on Instagram because we recently had an episode where we have made much ado about the fact that there was a description that included a scene where Tara, Tara, and Elena have a friend breakup and we never saw that and I was confused and I thought, did this happen? Was it in the script? Was it a deleted scene? So I went to Felicity.DearSally and Brandy, who is quite the Felicity historian and has a ton of memorabilia and old scripts and is a great account. Lots of people are following it. Great place to have conversations about Felicity. And I asked, do you know, was this, was this scene in the original broadcast and we somehow missed that in the DVDs? And she went ahead and sent me, sent me a whole bunch of scripts, a bunch of old scripts. And I went back and checked out that script. And no, there was no deleted scene to my knowledge of 
Tara slash Tara and Alina having the friend breakup that was promised in the episode description. But Brandy also sent through a bunch of other scripts. And I thought it was interesting because I was just before we got on this podcast, I was reading the one for love and marriage, the one, the episode that we just watched. And there, it's interesting to see the little differences or the big differences sometimes in the scripts, like the characters that we now know as Lynn and Nicole were actually mm. named Wes and Lori in the mm. original script. They changed those names. And there was a whole scene with Elena and Felicity that they decided to take out where Felicity was talking about how, oh, I really did make a rush decision with this whole green card marriage thing. And I wish I wouldn't have done that. And Noel and I are in such a weird place. And I think it actually might have set up a little better for the fugue if we would have had that. Uh, So they did cut it. There was some redundancy there, but I kind of feel like we did need a scene where Felicity said, Noel and I are in a strange place right now. (laughs) Like if she really felt like the tension that was created by her snap decision was something that put a little bit of a wedge between them. I think we needed to see that. Yeah. I, I also went through and looked, I think just at, at that script, but cause I was looking at, at that exact scene and, you know, my whole thought about that episode was why does Felicity never learn? Why does she never figure out there are consequences? I don't understand this. doesn't make any sense. And it makes me feel a lot better, I guess, about the writers and maybe her character moving forward that there were scenes where she she actually thought about what she did and what the consequences would be and kind of regretted doing it so quickly. Um, so I also think that that was a scene that really would have benefited, uh, that particular episode. Yeah. Um, And folks, we're not just saying this because we really did not have a good rating of last episode and we were trying to come up with solutions for that. I think that maybe putting it in a different order, watching that episode before Todd Mulcahy part one, that might change your experience viewing it, but this deleted scene also might've helped. So Thanks. Shout out to Brandy for sharing that and, you know, get your information over there because (laughs) she's got some really good resources for everybody to check out. I also wanted to share some proper feedback though, um, that we received. So we heard on Instagram from at Galinsky who said, who was just coming off of watching, uh, or at least listening to our podcasts about the drawing the line episodes that were so heavy and Glinsky said, I really loved your commentary in these heavy episodes and generally loving the podcast. You have exactly the right level of smart, insightful critique interspersed with pure humor and fun, much like the show. I was, I, I was so, um, so happy to hear that because I think that the show is very much equal parts serious and funny. And I feel like that's how Fish and I try to be too. So so glad to have that feedback. Also, um, Galinsky Fish, uh, Galinsky was thankful that you introduced Sierra Mulder, the or De Mulder, the slam poet. Yes, she's such a great, great poet. And, you know, I mean, I think that is kind of one of the best compliments to say that we're kind of a little bit like the show, which we love. Um, yeah. So, 
you know, really appreciate hearing that. And uh, for everyone who listens and and provides any feedback um, and people like Brandy who are keeping it out there and, and the restoration project that's bringing back the music, because that was the other thing I didn't comment on this time, but I definitely wrote down a couple of times, like what is going on with this music, especially mm. around the mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I felt like some weird accordion. I, I don't know, something mm-hmm. was going on. Yeah. But it's really nice um, to be able to, to speak with people who are listening and, and to hear from you guys. And um, so just thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Uh, what a cool community of people this is. And so many people who've been watching this show by themselves for so long and to be able to have conversations and, and learn more about the show. I mean, even talking through it with you, Fish, I'm constantly noticing things that I've never noticed before, or you have takes that are opposite of mine, or you know, you're looking at different things. And so it's making me see so much more in the show than I ever saw. And it's just, it's making it more fun. I agree. It's- Shall we go in and rate the episode? I think so. Since I usually go first, why don't you go first? Because I can't wait to hear what you chose. Yeah, right after we stopped the episode, I was like, fish, there are so many possible (laughs) rating options. I wasn't sure how to choose. I thought, do I need a pro-con list? I, I just didn't know how to approach it. We There were ones that seemed really obvious and ones that didn't. I decided to take something that was one of my favorite lines. And turn it into my unit of measurement for this this episode's rating. So I am rating this in non-fat, no whip, no cafe, cafe lattes, hold the tank. <laughs> oh, yes. I had so many other things. Yes. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm reconfiguring everything I'm going to say as we talk about our general notes. And I'm going to make that my rating system. That that's amazing. And the fact that you didn't have to go back and listen to it like 10 times to write that down. I looked at the script. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it for you. I wanted this very moment, the reveal where we're so excited about Lynn's amazing line. Oh, I don't know how he did that because do you know the number of times I have stood in line at Starbucks, like just trying to remember my order in my head? Mm-hmm. So that I can actually say it without stumbling over myself, mm-hmm. you know, when you get up to the register, because there's 50 million people in Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of times. And then I was, then I finally realized this is too much to pay for coffee. But um, yeah, I had a whole thing. I'm sure I can't do it now, but it was something along the lines of uh, a a skinny, a skinny vanilla latte, uh, like extra hot, with an extra cup. So, I mean, it was like a whole thing. Like I had it down and I would just like rehearse it in my head. Man. Yeah. Well, Lynn delivers it perfectly here. So my rating is going to be nine out of 10 non-fat, no whip, no cafe, cafe lattes, hold the tay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes me so happy. Okay. Nine out of 10. Let's, let's talk about that piece. Yes. I thought this was, I think we're in a whole batch of really important episodes 
there's a strong sense of story that happens from here to the end of season one. And I think that this episode has its place, knows its place, accomplishes a lot. I think that they balance the light and the dark as much as they can. I think they do a pretty good job with it, actually, balancing the light and the dark. A couple things, but it's not a perfect episode for me. One reason for that is, you know, they have this structure of having the dear Felicity tapes at the end. And while they have this structure, they probably should be doing the structure, right? <laughs> like it just, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think they will eventually abandon the structure altogether. And I will then be able to look a little bit more clear-headedly at the fact that they're not doing it all the time. Uh, Right now, they're still supposedly doing it. So I can understand not having it at the end of the the first part of a two-parter, but this was, this was an episode, you know, this, they've, they've been doing this more recently where they've just been saying, we would prefer not to have to end the episode with Janine Garofalo's voice doing a voiceover. So I'm kind of aware that this, they're not really sticking with their story structure. Um, the other thing, though, I'm going to think this weighed more heavily on me, is that scene with Noel being aggressive with Felicity just feels so weird to me in this episode. It put an energy in a part of the episode that disrupts my conversation. It disrupts how I think about it. And I think it makes me look at Noel as more of a bad guy when... I think that you're right, Fish. Nobody has officially done anything wrong. We've done, they've done things we don't love, but have they done something wrong? Noel was honest about his confusion and had a conversation about it with Felicity before he went off. They actually broke up and then then he went off. They were broken up. Felicity did this thing with Eli. Like, yeah, they did stuff we maybe don't love. They maybe don't love it. But I can have compassion for both of them in, in this situation until you get to that scene. So I don't know. It was a choice. And it makes me feel like, I don't know that I can give this an all the way perfect score. So that's my rating. Nine out of 10. Non-fat, no whip, no cafe, cafe lattes, hold the day. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so um, proud of myself. I mean, I'm proud, of, <laughs> I'm proud of you too. I mean, that I'm was not even on my list. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What about you? Uh, uh, this is such a hard one for me, um, because while watching the episode, I, I wasn't a hundred percent engaged with it. Mm. I think it, it required a lot more thought for me to like really get into it and see how well it was done or how much they brought out and and how much nuance there was in it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it says that, you know, I have to go back and analyze it for two hours in order to really see what they were trying to say. Mm. So, you know, I I like the scene with Noel being aggressive, not because I like him being aggressive, but because I do think it it gives us a sense of him. I mean, he throws the magic eight ball, he gets angry. It it shows us again how you know 
I won't say everyone, but how um, sometimes men and women deal with things differently mm-hmm. and deal with stresses and, and deal with, you know, just different feelings in different ways. And then what that does to the people around them. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that. Now, I, I don't have the same knowledge of what Noel is like going forward. So this may be completely out of character for him going forward, but I don't find it that out of character for him up to this point, because I've had this vibe around his insecurity, around his really internalized sexism Mm -hmm. (laughs) against women um, this whole time. Uh, and, and his sort of entitlement to this relationship with Felicity. Uh, but I also, you know, so for that reason, you know, I can't give it a perfect score, but I do, you know, I do think they did things very well when we have time to go back and look at them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with eight out of 10 gloves. Okay. Um, I wish that they had given us I guess more from Noel's perspective, Mm -hmm. I feel like they put us in Felicity's shoes uh, very well. And, and maybe, you know, it's just because I'm a woman that I'm, I'm connecting more to her. Um, But I don't know if that's really true because I connected way more to Ben at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I'm going through what Noel's going through, like he says that he's really confused about Hannah, but we don't get any scenes of him really, you know, being tortured over this conflict of like what he's going through, any of his emotional pain. All we kind of see is he does this thing. He comes back and says, he's sorry. And he's kind of pathetic. Then he hears something from Felicity and he just shuts off not just to Felicity, but to us, we don't get to see what happens. Like when he leaves that room and sort of his internal, you know, mind stuff, all we see is him kind of, he does put his hand through his hair and he's got that sort of monologue to the professor for, I don't know, four or five words and hits the poor girl in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, yeah, I'm just, I'm not feeling his side of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it would help me to understand and have more empathy for him if I did. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fair. Yeah. They're giving us a lot more of Felicity's point of view and they have more heavy lifting to do there because not only is she unpacking what's happening with her relationship with Noel, but the the bigger story for her is probably the fact that she just had sex with this guy that she barely knows lost her virginity and she's feeling ashamed about it. So they have more, more to, to go through with her. And so they spend all that time with her and we don't get a lot of time to look at Noel's point of view. And, but see, I, I guess I fundamentally disagree that she's going through more. I mean, yes, she has had sex for the first time, but he's dealing with this two year relationship mm-hmm. and sort of the beginning and ending and beginning and ending of that, mm-hmm. that I think is a huge deal. Yeah. They, they really could have shown us what he was going through Yeah, and, and his feelings about that. And I, we just get these quick moments where, you know, he's in bed with Hannah and all of a sudden he's like, Nope, mm-hmm. I've changed my mind. 
but that doesn't really help us. Yeah. It didn't help me. Yeah. Well, I think that's totally fair. So you, you heard it here first, everybody, those are our ratings and overall a fairly strong episode, but not the strongest, but, um, I mean, it, it, it was no Todd Mulcahy part one. It was no Todd Mulcahy part one. It was no finally. Or finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were really strong ones. Uh, th- you know, and, but, but this, this is absolutely telling a story that will continue to bear out. So I think that it also gets the assist and everything that happens in the back third of season one, I think there's a, there's a place for all this. There's a purpose for everything that we're seeing. And I appreciate that. I think as, as we've been unpacking these episodes so much, something I'm learning about myself is how important story structure is to me. And I've never even really, I haven't taken a story structure class. Like I couldn't necessarily define it for you, but I feel like I'm reacting to when things come out of nowhere or when things are well set up or when things um, have a payoff that stuff works really well for me. So it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to look at this back third of season one with you and with everybody, because the stuff that we talk about feels like it's going to weigh a lot more than some of the the episodes that have things that happen that are more random. Like, I think even the idea of bringing the game assassins into this, although that is a random plot line, it actually isn't because it makes it's real. There is something so combative about the stuff that's happening right now. There's so much tension between so many of these relationships and it allows them, it forces them to come together and, and deal with some of that stuff. So I, I like that it, it makes people be, have more movement in the episode. So yeah, all this stuff feels really connected to me. I'm going to change my rating. Oh, what's happened now? Wait. Okay. Okay. What are you changing it to? I'm going to give it, I'm going to change it to an 8.5. I'm going to give it a 0.5 bonus for Sean's butt. That's, okay, I'm that's gonna. Crazy. I'm just making notes. I'll. I'll. I'll add. Mm. Do you want this to be an eight out of ten with a 0.5 bonus for Sean's butt, or just an eight point five out of ten? No, the the first one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I want the 0.5 explained. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Somehow, listeners, when we get to the end of season one, I'm gonna try to do <laughs> averages, and we've made this really hard, really really hard. But yep. we're saying a 0.5 bonus for Sean's butt. I just can't wait for you to get to that episode seasons from now. Uh, <laughs> where are you going to probably give it, gonna get more of a bonus? We'll see. I mean, it feels like you're right. This show, it does give me what I want. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the time yeah. I say things and then poof, they just hand them to me. Just happens that way. Oh, I think all of us that know the show really well are just howling with laughter and very excited. (laughs) You can, hey, folks, I can't scream it into the mic because that'll be a spoiler for fish, but you can scream it listening to the podcast right now of what I'm thinking about. And you know what you're thinking right now. Go ahead and say it. I'm going to be very happy, I guess. I'm going to be surprised. Some sort of, you said costume. Mm Mm-hmm. 
which I hope is not a speedo because again, mm. we've got plenty of other speedos in this show right now with swimming. So that wouldn't be anything new. It's okay. So that's, well, we covered all the ground of the notes I took. Was there anything else you wanted to mention fish? Nope. I think we got it all. My last note was to compliment Lynn for his hat. And you did it. You made that happen. All done. So we did set up with that couple of lines about Julie's birthday uh, coming up. And sure enough, the next episode title is going to be happy birthday. So I'll let you guess. Oh, lovely. What that's about. Something planned. (laughs) Good job, Ben. Good job. Yeah. So we're going to resume next time with happy birthday. And until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone.